Welcome to Section 420, Talking Yankees. Well, this episode, I'm going to bring on a guest. His name is Hector. He's a Bronx native who hosts his own live streaming show after every Yankees game. And he's also part of a large online sports community. Now, he's here to explain all that as well as talk some Yankees. So let's bring him on. Hey, Hector, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Uh, so things are good right now in Yankee land. So um, people, where can they find you online? Um, well, you can look for me, Project Nerd HQ, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm the co-host of Yankees Morning Brew, which is a part of the Knights of Dejan KOD Media. If you guys are into FCF or know anything about fan-controlled football, Knights of Dejan is a team that's a part of the FCF, and KOD Media is one of their YouTube Twitch outlets. All right, and can you just like actually, I don't really know too much about that. Like, like all mm. I have is my PlayStation Three, which has like a, a layer of <laughs> dust on it. Can you actually? Yeah. I, don't, I don't really understand NFTs and like the the meta world. Like, can you actually get into mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll just make it very easy. It's a simple combination. If you're big into fantasy football, if you're big into Madden, and if you, you know, like me, like the concept of Pokemon, the FCF is like the perfect place to go. Because what fan control football does is it has the four OG teams that were part of season one. Season two is this year. But if you look, you know, Terrell Owens is a part of the FCF. Tariq Hill is a part of the FCF. So it's a lot of like former former and current NFL players that use the FCF as a chance to like work out during the offseason. But it's basically it gives the power to the fan. If you were to buy an NFT that's a part of the team or you could do it for free with the four original teams that was down with last year, you could just literally go into it. You get to draft the weekly players. It gives you access to all of our discords, gives you access to a bunch of fan control events. You can actually bid and try to pitch a show if you want to put a show out on YouTube. We just put the power of it instead of taking the whole corporate thing out of it. This is all for the fans, by the fans. Interesting. And you have your your host of your own show. It's called Yankees Morning yeah. Brew. Where can people Yankees check that Morning out? Brew. Uh, Yankees Morning Brew, like I said, is on the Nitro DJ YouTube channel. Um, Twitch channel. I myself, I go live on my Instagram with it as well. But it's Monday through Fridays from 11 in the morning to 12 in the afternoon, the day after a Yankee game. So if the Yankees play Monday, Tuesday morning, I will be there with the show. And I always tell people, make sure you come with your cup of coffee and let me know what you what type of brew you like. Cool. Well, what type of brew you like? Uh, well, myself, you know, as, as a New York Rican, somebody who grew up in New York City, I got to keep it with the Bustelo. Um, Bustelo has been a tradition that's been in my family ever since that I can remember going to the local bodegas in the neighborhood. They always have a Bustelo going off. So every morning you grab your uh, 50 cent coffee, your 50 cent butter roll. Every New Yorker knows that's how you that's how you officially start a day. Uh, I'm a corporate sellout. I got Duncan's here. So hey, hey, listen, listen, (laughs) however you can get your fix. All right. And uh, I'm assuming you're based somewhere in New York. Yeah, yeah. I um I grew up in the Bronx, Pelham Parkway, but I'm living in Dykeman right now at the moment. But grew up all my life in the Bronx. Um, li- living in Little Italy, this uh by like St. Barnabas area, Cortona Ave. So I'm a Bronx boy. Yeah, actually, I'm Pelham Bay, so I guess we're almost neighbors. Oh, yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I'm right by. I used to live by um, Columbus High School, right over there. Yeah, actually, my dad went to Columbus way back in the day. Perfect. I always say everybody is six degrees separation from each other. (laughs) So got the Yankees has had a great weekend against the White Sox. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't always sweep everybody, but take three out of four, clearly beat the heck out of them. So it's like, what was place? There's really not much to complain about this team. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 Not that much to complain about. The only thing is, you know, the little things when it comes with Chapman and the bullpen, 
Um, our defense has been solid this year. If we could, you know, pass 30, if 35 games into the season and we could say our only issue is a role this Chapman trying to figure it out, I'm happy with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't blame too much with Chapman with that game just because, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times you don't bring your closer out on the road. You know, mm-hmm. at home, I can understand that move. So it's sort of like it's kind of a duck out of water that it wasn't like he got lit up. Yeah. You know, it was just a little sloppy. Mm-hmm. And overall, he's having a good season for the Yankees. I think his ERA mm-hmm. is under two. He has eight saves. So, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. we've experienced as Yankees fans, you know, at some point in the season, the, the shoe drops off with him where he's just terrible for like two months. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 the little things that 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 stick out to you. But like you said, with Chapman, it's um it was little bleeders. It was him not able to have his command that he normally has, but. When he hasn't pitched in seven days and he came out the other game, so he hasn't pitched that much within these past 10 games. So he's he's liable to be able to get away with being rusty here and there. Yeah, yeah. And overall, I'll say, you know, with this Yankee team, I'm at the lineup, you know, this whole weekend, it seemed like they really come alive. I know early in the season, mm-hmm. we're like, they're like almost looked like last year's team, but uh, we're just seeing like this the advantage of having a more balanced lineup and having players mm-hmm. like IKF and Trevino laying down bunts, which again, we mm-hmm. haven't seen that. We haven't seen that in years for as Yankee fans. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even, you know, I, I can say that, you know, everybody who says they're a diehard Yankee fan, they can remember from when they first started watching every game. And I can say in 2004 was the first season that I started watching every game. And from 2004 and to where we are right now, this Yankee team is so multidimensional. It's not just, it's not heavy in just one aspect of the game. They spread it around. Like our starting pitching has kept us afloat. Our bullpen, it's top phenomenal. Like when Mariano was around, I wish he had this type of bullpen that we have nowadays because how many more World Series have we, have, we would have won? That's true because he had a lot of years where he kind of had to pick up the slack. And I'll mm-hmm. say the starting rotation, like the names may not be as sexy, but mm-hmm. this, again, it's probably the best Yankee starting rotation in t- one to five in a very, very long time. Yeah, yeah. When we had um, the Luis Hill come up and do that spot start, that was the first time this season that the Yankees had um, a different pitcher that wasn't part of their normal starting five, starting a game. And we were the last team to, uh, to do that. So 30 games in seeing our rotation, how as healthy as it's been, even when you got um, Severino, who's a bit rusty, Cole bouncing back, looking a lot solid, looking like the Cole that we know. I- I'm really liking this rotation. Yeah. That's why at the beginning of the year, I, I felt good about the team. I-, I felt the upside of Severino and Tyone, mm-hmm. as long as they stay healthy, that's a pretty good mm-hmm. one, two, three. Nestor, if he just picks up what he did last year, and then Monty as a mm. fifth starter, you know, I, I take him at, at, over any other team's fifth starter. He's just as good. So um, going yeah. into this, I, yeah, I felt really good about this rotation, at least going into the season. Mm-hmm. And then when you're seeing the evolution of Garrett Cole um, this year, especially when it comes to taking Tyone and Jordan Montgomery under his wing, every time any, any pitchers out there and they point to the dugout with the camera, you always see Cole in the middle, and he has Montgomery and Tyone right there. And Cole's like breaking down the pitching, breaking down what pitchers are doing. Look at the pitchers cutting left, left, right. So I, I think the evolution of Garrett Cole is something to watch for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, and if he could just sort of like, you know, because obviously a couple of years from now, he's not going to be able to throw 98 anymore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he can work on just being sort of like Verlander had to adjust a little bit, you know, take a few mm-hmm. miles off the fastball and adjust. And, you know, he put all that noise early in the season about the spider attack away because now he has had four mm-hmm. pretty dominating starts now in a row. Mm-hmm. That the, the you know the evolution and the usage of his cutter um, has been a big point of, of of what he's been doing these past four starts because early in the season he wasn't throwing it as much but seeing that he's you know he has the I can say he doesn't have the hiccups when it comes to throwing it he trusts it a lot more that right there to me is, has been the big difference in his in his pitching this year. 
Yeah. And you just mentioned before Montgomery. I mean, if you look at his stats, I know it wasn't too great on the Saturday night game, but his stats would be much better if he had some run support. They just simply, oh. for the past two, three seasons, just don't score runs for this poor guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they like to take the um, half of the day uh, the, the day off whenever Monty's pitching. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't gamble, but if I would, I would, I would always bet on the other team anytime Monty mm. takes the hill. There's a little tip out there if anybody wants to bet the farm. So, um, and also, just going into the bullpen, um, you know, th- collectively, whether it's Holmes, Green, Loisga, I know it's a little slippy. I mean, it's a, mm. they, they only need these starters to go about five or six innings. I mean, you got a bullpen that's set up that could carry out the next four innings flawlessly. Mm-hmm. And not just that, when you look at the names that you just, you know, you pointed out there with Combs and Green, and, you know, you got Lewisica, um, who, like you said, is Rusty, Michael King, and other pieces, any four of those pitchers could be a closer on almost any other team in, in the American League or the National League. That's how filthy, filthy they are, especially Holmes. Holmes has surprised me the most. I, I thought last year was just lightning in a bottle towards the end of the year, him coming to a new division from the NL to the AL. People aren't used to him, but He's, he's showing just like um, Nestor Cortez. They are in flukes. Yeah, and I read an interesting article about Holmes that the reason they, they got him is for his spin rate, whatever. They figured he wasn't mm-hmm. being utilized in um, Pittsburgh the right way, but something about Cashman, mm-hmm. you know, all those people want to bash Cashman, knew something about his spin rate that if we could just get this guy here, get him to throw the pitch we wanted to, he could be devastating. And that was a good call by Cashman, you know, bring him in late last season. I was, you, you hit it right on the head. I was going to say the same exact thing. Everybody, you know, bashing Cashman. But you gotta you gotta tip your hat off to Cashman finding these little gems and adding them to this team has uh, that's that right there is the difference and just a team that can win a division and can win a championship. And when you look at his record over these past ten years, the only real hiccup that he had was signing Jacoby Ellsbury. Besides that, not giving contracts to certain players when they go to other teams and they don't have the same years. Cashman has saved the Yankees a lot of money on that aspect also. Yeah, um, and just look at the you know the team that just came in, the Texas Rangers. You got Corey Seager, three hundred twenty-five mm-hmm. million. Marcus Simeon, like one hundred seventy-five million. And everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. the Yankees aren't signing by. Like, well, you look at the stats; they're not. They're doing terrible, and that's like yeah. five hundred million dollars worth of players that are just being wasted. Yeah, Simeon still hasn't had have a home run, if I'm not mistaken, so far as of now, um, for the season. And um, one of the trades that Cashman did bring in when he bought in Donaldson, um, IKF, and Rovette. Now mm-hmm. Yankees. Are, Pretty set right now with Higgy and Trevino, but now Ravette back in the fold. Seems like they're working them to come. You know, obviously you're not going to have three catches, so you think one yeah. of them is going to be the odd man out? I, personally, I hate to say it. I think Higashioka is going to be the odd man out because when you look at what the Yankees were trying to do, they they, they want to solidify behind the plate when it comes to the catching position defensively. Higashioka, when it comes to framing pitches, he's good, but he's top three when it comes to pass balls in the major leagues. And that's what we wanted to get away with when we when uh, Gary Sanchez was back there. What Trevino has done this year, phenomenal. I, I really love him. So I think Higgy is going to be the odd man out when he comes back, when the other catcher comes back. I think they like what that just, you know, he only hit like 130 last year in a small sample size, but he's a left-handed bat. And I think mm-hmm. this gives him an option that, you know, you could throw a lefty out there once in a while instead of, you know, if they face a righty, if the, you know, the other starters are righty. Yeah, and, and that's what this, this lineup is missing, more left-handed hitters. Um, I always joke around with other, other Yankee friends that I have, fans. Um, if Clint Frazier was a left-handed hitter, the Yankees would still have him. It's because he was a righty. The Yankees need lefties regardless of him struggling. I think the Yankees, just look at Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade, the Yankees let him how many years, how many opportunities he got, and that was because he was a lefty. 
Yeah, he wasn't. I mean, yeah, he did some things like defensively and being a pinch runner, mm. but yeah, he was not much of a bat. He was like a 200 mm. hitter at most. Exactly. Yeah. Now we also saw a little bit, you know, this weekend that you know Aaron Boone's willing to put Judge out in center field. Not something mm. I like too much. I mean, are you comfortable when you see that? Um, one kudos to Judge because that goes to the type of athlete he is. But no, that's not something that I would want to see over 162 games. But if it's something that you have Judge out in center field two uh, two days out the week, putting Stanton out in right field two days out the week, and just rotating them around and just making sure that they're healthy, that's something that I can live with. Um, if Aaron Hicks doesn't step it up when it comes to his hitting because he's in a slump, I think the Yankees will make a move for a center fielder. It's just if the if the price is right, I don't want them just to jump on a center fielder just because. Uh, I totally agree with you. And I think also a lot of that had to do with uh, Tim LaCastro being down for a couple of days, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, otherwise mm-hmm. I think you would have saw LaCastro out there. Cause again, I judge is a good athlete, like you said, but I don't want him out there just running too much and like pulling a hammy or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, that's something that that big body can't handle. <laughs> and one of the question marks going to the season was, you know, are we going to get the Glabar Torres we saw in 2018 and 2019? Well, I mean, his batting average doesn't jump out, but like he's been a part of a lot of big rallies, some game winning mm-hmm. hits, uh, you know, some big home runs so far this season. Are you sold that Glaber Torres is finally back? Um, I'm sold because w- when I see him in the bat, whenever there's runners in scoring position or there's two outs, Glaber locks in, right? His numbers may not show it, but if you look at um, what he's doing with runners in scoring position and what he's doing after the sixth inning, he's close to over 290. So I see him trying to shoot for the moon when it's early in the game, trying to get an early punch on a pitcher, trying to catch a mistake or whatever. But when it comes to later on in the game, you've seen it, how he could draw a walk, how effective he is just trying to shoot it into right center. I think that's what Glaber Torres needs to live, shooting it into right center because it just makes him a better hitter. And Joey Gallo, who's someone else, you know, Yankee fans will get on a little bit early this season. Okay, hit a couple of home runs this weekend. Great. Uh, but do you see someone that the, the Yankees will commit to him long-term after this season? Long-term, I don't know. It just depends on what happened this season. But having him in the bottom half of the lineup in the seven hole, I think that's where he needs to live in order to get out of his funk. Because ever since he he started his 10-game hitting streak, I believe, or eight-game hitting streak, he's hitting over 300. Um, he has four home runs. He's driving in runs. And he's not striking out as much. So his strikeout numbers are down from what it was in the beginning of the season, having like a couple games, five strikeouts, four strikeouts in a row. I think Joey Gallo can live anywhere between 230, 260, and have 30 home runs and be effective because he's not bad in the field as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm like, if, if I'll take 230 or 240 from him, just, you know, just mm-hmm. when he's like 180, though, that's like unacceptable for a major league play, even with the power he has and the good, yeah. good defense, can be hitting 230. And, um, yeah. So, you know, the, really the story of the season, though, has been the guy who pitched, uh, you know, the final game against the White Sox, Nestor Cortez, this unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know, last thought almost throws a no-hitter, you know, obviously at the mm-hmm. pitch count issue, no, backs it up with another beautiful gem, eight innings of one-run one, one ball. I mean, can this guy continue this the entire season? I, I Hopefully. I, I, I want to jump on the Nestor train for the entire season. I love what he's doing. Um, I got a nickname for him. I call him the, I call him the lefty El Duque, him being from Cuba as well. but the way that he's just able to switch his up. He looks like a wiffle ball pitcher out there pitching in the major leagues. I want to see this in the all-star game. Hopefully he gets that call and hopefully he's in the all-star game because as he brings the different energy that baseball just needs. 
And what about you feeling with Severino? Now it's going to be his first full season as a starter, which he hasn't done in almost three years. I mean, you mm-hmm. think he'll be there at the end of the season? You, you make it the whole way? Hopefully, but I, I feel that the Yankees are going to make a move for another starter. Or, you know, I would, you know, see what we have in the minors when it comes to Clark Smith or Debbie Garcia, see if they could spot start a couple of times. Because like you said with Nestor Cortez, he's never pitched more than 120, 115 innings in a season. So I don't think he's going to get to 180. Hopefully he does. Same thing with Severino coming back from an injury. I don't think the I think the Yankees are going to have big gloves with him when it comes to the end of the season, trying to save him for, for the postseason. We, we also now have down, down there the former Yankee prospect, Manny Benuelos, who's looked phenomenal. And we just signed Danny Salazar, who um, had, a, you know, who has experience from back when the Cleveland, um, back with the Cleveland Guardians. But one thing about Severino, I'd like to point this out. When he got injured in 2017, before, like that first half of the season, him and DeGrom were like, who's the best pitcher in baseball? Who's the best pitcher in New York? It wasn't until he went to Houston. You know how competitive Severino is. And 2017, people want to say the trash can thing or whatever, but Houston was laying off of its sliders and he kept trying to feed fastball, fastball. I think that's what messed him up, trying to overcompensate, trying to overthrow. And just that, I think 2017 and that game against Houston is what messed him up and set him off this path of injury. But I want to see him bounce back for the rest of the season. Yeah, totally agree. And in fact, there was even a point of season where he was actually the hardest throw in entire baseball. I think Syndergaard had it for a while and he kind of stole his mm-hmm. mantle. He was hitting like, you know, almost triple digits, like consistently. Mm-hmm. He's, he's had um, these past two starts getting up to triple digits and living in the 98 to 99 range. So and him utilizing his cut fastball as well, because before he was just a fastball slider. But him coming back with the cutter and a well-improved changeup is the big thing for Severino. And for for the Yankees, you know, you look at the AL East, um, you know, got a comfortable lead so far very early. And the only team I kind of really would fear is Tampa. Now they got off to a bad start because they had a ton of injuries, especially to to their Mm -hmm. pitches. But those guys are going to come back by midseason. But um, do you expect a surge by Tampa or you think the Yankees just sit pretty in first place the entire way? You you always have to expect the surge from Tampa because every year Tampa Bay just defies the odds. Every every statistician, every expert, every year always counts the Tampa Bay Rays out or, you know, say that they're not going to win as much games as they eventually do. But you can never sleep on the Rays. They always figure it out. And that's a class A organization. Yeah, I feel the same. man. like until we beat them, I don't believe it. And again, I, I worry more about Tampa than Toronto, even though Toronto came in with a lot of a lot of people on their bag and where I can start the season. I'm really um, shocked with Boston, how bad they they've been. Yeah, I'm super socks and the reports that came out the other day that boston is, is trying to um ship off xander bogarts to get whatever they can and eventually rafael devers um they, they're about to hit the reset button and as a yankee fan you know i love that competitiveness from boston and the rivalry component but you're not going to see me crying or losing tears over boston not being good this year yeah, I don't know what's up with them. Like, you know, they unload Mookie Betts a couple of years ago, their best player. Devers probably, mm-hmm. you could say, maybe now their best player, perhaps, and look like, mm-hmm. like you said before, they unloading them. It's like, what? They got money. It's like, why are they letting these guys go? It's weird. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, it is very weird. They they did this before, um, back in thing, uh, when they had that big sell-off, when they shipped Josh Beckett and Adrian Gonzalez, and they got a championship in 2017. I think they're trying to recreate that, but I think it's just, they, they should have done it earlier and instead of signing um, 
what's the pitcher? I forgot his name. Who's injured? Um, oh my God, is Sale brain fart? Sale, Chris yeah. Sale. Instead of giving him the money, they should have hit the reset button back then. Yeah, and that guy's not gonna be ready till maybe midway of the season anyway. Too, it's another yeah scratcher. And and with the season that they're having right now, I wouldn't even try to even push him to even come back this year. Just let him get healthy. Yeah, and you know. You figure like Baltimore, okay, that's a team you get some easy wins against. But now Boston's also going to be tanking. Now that's another team mm-hmm. you face in 17, 18 times a season. Pay it up the win mm-hmm. total just so you get a good, you know, playoff berth later mm-hmm. on, you know, pending if the Yankees are there in October, which they should be. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's that's going to be the deciding factor, especially when you got the three teams that you mentioned before, the Yankees, the Rays, and Toronto. The deciding factor for who's going to win the division is who beats up more on the Red Sox and Tampa Bay. I mean, and the Orioles, whichever team beats up on those bottom teams the most, that's who's going to win the AL East. Yeah, and I look at the rest of American League. Um, I mean, the only team I really worry about is again Tampa because they always get us, mm-hmm. and then maybe Houston's having a pretty good season. We're having a little bit better, but those are the two teams I would kind of worry about at least at this point so far. Yeah, um, the the Angels are a team that intrigues me. They were in first place for a while, and the and the AL West, you know, Houston leapfrogged them. But the Angels are a team that intrigues me. Um, that's a team I don't want to run into in the postseason because I don't want Shohei Otani and Mike Trout having their blowout, breakout postseason against us. Yeah. But, you know, at some point, Trout's going to get hurt. Just not that I'm wishing it on him, but you, you know mm-hmm. that's happening. At some point, it's going to happen. But, yeah. yeah. And plus with Joe Madden, again, former uh, Tampa manager, another guy used to give us fits. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, Yankees have, you know, we have history with the Angels, too, dating back back to 2002, 2003, 2004. They, they've kicked us out of the playoffs so many years. So I, that's just a team I just want to avoid. Yeah. That's why I like 2009 so much. We finally got to them. But yeah, they used yeah. to kill us in the early 2000s all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 100%. <laughs> now, I know a lot of this what if, and you mentioned the Ellsbury contract earlier, but you know, our old friend Cano ended up in San Diego. I'm actually happy with him. He was getting a chance. But yeah. you ever think Same. what if would have happened if he stayed with the Yankees and didn't go to Seattle? All the time. All the time. Um. When he was with the Yankees, and when specifically when the Yankees had Larry Boa a part of the staff, Larry Boa used to keep him in line, used to keep him in check. Robinson Cano, if he would have stood in New York, he would have – the stuff at the end with the steroids and all the PEDs, I can't tell from that point of view. But, you know, I, I do have a friend who, who has a family connection with Robinson Cano. And after he left New York, he, he didn't have his family unit. You know, he had like a big community here that used to keep him in check, keep him in line. But when he goes to Seattle across the across the country, you can't just move everybody that, you know, that's in Washington Heights over to Seattle. Yeah, I, I felt yeah because if you look at the stats, they're, they're pretty darn good. It's like, you know, a little mm-hmm. under 3000 hits, which, again, mm-hmm. that's all, automatically would have been a whole thing, especially for a second baseman. Um, yeah, I think if had he stayed with the Yankees and again didn't get into that PED trouble, you talk about a definite, no doubt, Hall of Famer, oh, probably mm-hmm. the best Yankees second baseman of all time. Yeah, uh, Ken, Kenny Singleton used to say it all the time. Whenever um, Robinson Cano was at bat, he he was on a he had a Hall of Fame trajectory. Um, if he would have stood in New York, the numbers that he had in Seattle wasn't that bad. He had thirty six home runs one year. He I think he won a batting title over second when it comes to the batting title one year. It's just the PEDs, like you said, that that whole what if we we can't even control that what if because we don't know what would have happened if he would have stayed over here. 
Yeah, and I don't blame him for leaving because I mean Seattle blew blew the Yankee offer away. Man, it was like two hundred twenty, mm. like two hundred forty million versus like one. Yeah, it was seventy. Yeah, it was seventy million more. I would have took it too if I was Cano, honestly. Yeah, I, I can't bl- I can't blame him on, on on that one. And I'm sure mm. you saw the news about our old friend Brett Gartner supposedly turning down six million uh, from Toronto and also turning another offer from the Braves. So, I mean, is he Yankee or bust, or is this guy just ret- enjoying retirement life? I just he just needs to enjoy retirement, and you know we're gonna have a Brett Gardner day one day at Yankee Stadium, and get ready for you know old timers day. But um, as much as as much as he's done for us, and going back to the he was a part of the 2009 championship, I'm not trying to bash him whatsoever. But I think that has sailed. But I think he has such a loyalty to the Yankees. It's like with Bernie Williams in 2006 after that season. He had offers from Kansas City. He had offers from other teams, but he turned them down because he just felt like he's either Yankees or bust, like you said. No, uh, and I, I guess in a way, I'm happy I did. And I think he was finished last year, so I had no mm-hmm. interest. In, yeah, I like again, I liked him. I joined him as a fan, yeah. but yeah, I had no so, interest in bringing him back. And again, if he wants to be a Yankee for life, I just respect him for that. I guess, yeah, it's a very mm-hmm. cool thing. Yeah, same, same. That's the same, same. I have the same sentiment. All right. So again, Hector, I uh, appreciate get, you know, getting this time with you. Again, people can check you out. Um, Project Nerd HQ. Follow you on both yeah. Instagram as well as on Twitter. And again, check mm-hmm. out the show. I'm sure you have one during Monday to Friday after every Yankee win, 11 uh, yep. to 12, Yankee morning mm-hmm. brew. Come with your coffee. You know, it could be any type of coffee and uh, talk some Yankees for an hour. Exactly. Catch me on the nights of DJ. And my guy, we got to set something up that I have you on one of these days and we chit talk about the Yankees also. I'm game.